Welcome back to season five of That's What She Did podcast. We're dedicated to amplifying the voices of the women leaders, innovators, and rebels you don't already know. We highlight everyday women who are impacting today's social issues while also centering the voices of women of color. In short, we curate the stories of brilliant women. This season, we're bringing you Women Who Disrupt. Each episode, you're going to hear from an impactful and inspiring woman who push your thinking, challenge your assumptions, and most importantly, inspire you to find a way to create impact in your corner of the world. I'm Tangier Renee, creator and host of That's What She Did. Thank you for joining me and your fellow inspiration junkies as we learn from and connect with today's brilliant women. Hey there, inspiration junkies. It's me, your host, Tangia Renee, and you are listening to season five, episode five of That's What She Did podcast. This is the Women Who Disrupt season. Now, before I introduce you to this week's guest, I do want to speak directly to programming for the coronavirus stuff. So I've reached out to our audience members, put some things out on social and requested some feedback on whether or not we should take a step back from our already recorded and prepared episodes and prepare something for you all that's more focused on the times as they are at this moment, specifically related to coronavirus and what's happening in the world. So far, the feedback we've gotten back is no. Please continue with our regular format, with our regular um, audio and our regular approach to the show because it seems like everyone's looking for a little bit of a reprieve from the realities of coronavirus and everything surrounding that situation. So we are here to serve this audience. And if the audience wants us to move forward with our usual um, approach to the content, that is what we will do. The feedback that we're getting is that many people rely on this show as a source of inspiration, as a reprieve from what's happening in their regular lives, a place for them to learn something new and frankly be inspired to do something new. So we want to make sure that we are honoring that. So we will just continue rolling on with our regularly scheduled episodes. Now I want to introduce you to this week's guest, Sydney Jackson Cloxton. She is the owner of Sydney Star Travel and is a responsible travel retreat coordinator and business strategist with the Kite and Dart Group. She focuses on integrating the triple bottom line of sustainability into her clients' travel habits and events. Through her work with Kite and Dart, she works with entrepreneurs who are looking to integrate their values into the core of their business practices. Sydney has spent over 10 years in the hospitality and tourism industry. She knows what she's talking about. And I have her on the show today because she's doing something really interesting around disrupting normal approaches to travel and integrating some history and some social justice with travel retreats and travel organization in general. It's really interesting what she's up to. I think it's completely unique. And that's why I'm excited to have her be one of our featured brilliant women this week and as part of the Women Who Disrupt series on the show. 
I hope you enjoyed as much as I do. And as usual, thank you for your support. You could be listening to any show, watching any show, doing anything with your time. And I appreciate you so, so much for continuing to show up week after week and season after season. Thank you from the bottom of my heart. Please don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss episodes as soon as they are available. And please continue to share. Thank you so much. Now let's get started. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of That's What She Did podcast. This week, I have for you Sydney with Sydney Star Travel and Events. And she's doing something interesting. Everybody's doing something interesting. That's why they're on this show, right? You know this. I know this. I'm probably going to keep saying it. And I wanted Sydney on the show because essentially she's a, a travel and event planner, but she has found a way to use her sort of unusual background and sustainable business and natural resources and uh, diversity and inclusion to create this space in travel where she has found a way to bring these things together. So we're going to talk about this interesting journey and where it's going next with Sydney from Sydney Star Travel. Let's get started. Welcome, Sydney. Hi. Hi. (laughs) Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Yeah, it's my pleasure. So let's bring everybody into like how we got here. So you sent me an email and, and basically pitched me to be on the show. And I didn't, at the time, understand what you were trying to pitch me. (laughs) Yes, that's okay. No one understands And so I went back and I was like, I don't actually think that this is a good fit for the show, but we could talk about getting you on the wellness podcast. And that makes sense to me. And then Mm -hmm. we actually talked and I was like, oh, okay. Yes. (laughs) This is not what I thought that it was. Yes. So let's start out by, first of all, just bringing people up to speed in what you do now. Yeah. So what I do is I am a, I call myself a responsible travel and event coordinator. And so what I do is I help folks to understand how they can not only just be mindful of their impact environmentally while traveling or planning an event, but also how they can take into account social factors and economic factors. Um, And then I also do some mentorship outside of my business, working with entrepreneurs who also want to have businesses that make that same impact Mm -hmm. on the world. And that was actually how we met in person. You had Mm -hmm. this, you invited me to be on this panel and I was like, sure. And I was shocked because <laughs> we had never met before. We didn't know each other. So I was like, yeah. I don't know who Sydney is or why she wants me to be on her panel, but why not? <laughs> so. I really appreciate, like, I really appreciate you coming too. because You did not know me from Adam. So, <laughs> And, you know, the listeners of the show sort of get me, but I didn't know if you would. And then I showed up to the panel. And I think people, I've been invited to lo- to be on lots of panels. And I think mm-hmm. people think that I'm going to be this kind of buttoned up, very polished mm. person on the panel. But then that I show up <laughs> and I say whatever I feel like saying in whatever way I think I should say it. And sometimes it's too intense <laughs> for some people. You, so. you know what? I totally believe that each of us are perfect, whole and complete as we are. And so the, the way that you showed up was perfect um, and much appreciated. 
um, because it definitely gave balance and perspective to our group um, that was there. (laughs) I guess for some context, since the listeners weren't there, somebody in the audience asked a question about what white allies can do for people of color beyond, quote unquote, what they already do. And I had a Mm -hmm. moment about that question. (laughs) (laughs) And there were, it's fair to say that some people were maybe taken aback Mm -hmm. by my response, but whatevs, whatevs. They didn't have to come. They didn't have to come. So, but you know what? Some people were taken aback and some people felt empowered. So thank you. Well, the people that felt empowered are my people. Yes. (laughs) Those are the people I like to hang out with. So (laughs) at any rate, So Sydney, tell us about how you came into this travel space to begin with, because I know you have a background in natural resources. Yeah, right. That's so crazy. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God only knows. I don't know. No. (laughs) Um, I guess long story short, um, I had, when I was in high school, I'm going to start there. When I was in high school, um, I had the opportunity to go on a class trip and I came from a family where, you know, we didn't want for anything, but there wasn't a lot of money there for that kind of activity. Um, And my grandmother pulled out of retirement early for me to go on this class trip to Spain and Italy. Mm -hmm. Um, And it happened to be over um, Easter. And I got to experience being in the Vatican, you know, over Easter and seeing the Pope. I'm not even Catholic, but seeing the Pope and like... Mm -hmm it was just so transformative. And at that point in time, I knew I wanted to do something with events and I had always loved coordinating things. Um, I was that kid in school that would be on every fundraising committee and, you know, planning stuff and raising money for all the clubs and whatnot. And so going into college, um, I, I went to Colorado State University in Fort Collins. There wasn't uh, a major yet that dealt with event coordination. Like, that was more on the East coast. Um, and so I really didn't know what to do. I was like, you know, I did what quote unquote, I was supposed to do. I went to school, but I couldn't find my space and you know, what made me happy and fulfilled. And it just so happened that I fell into recreation and tourism because once again, I liked travel and that's in natural resources. Um, at Colorado State. And so I also started to learn um, about sustainability and what that actually means. Uh, Me, sustainability had always meant like, you know, when you hear quote unquote, the word organic, right? You think, oh, it's expensive and it's something of privilege. But then I was like, wow, like I'm actually as a person of color, heavily affected by what's going on, not just with the environment, but also how things are happening socially and, and economically. Um, around me. So, mm-hmm. so yeah, that's, that's how I kind of fell into the space and, um, you know, and what led me educationally to where I am. And then all of my experience has also been along the same. So um, how did you get to this place now where you, so you enter the travel space and you start planning travel and events for, and try to incorporate this sustainability lens, but you're also now moving into I guess the next evolution of that for you, which mm-hmm. is what you're calling tra- transformative travel events. Yes. What is that? Yeah. So like I had mentioned earlier, I had a transformative experience 
when I was traveling and you might, and the audience might have had transformative experiences Mm -hmm. at events. Um, Think of a concert that you went to and you were just in the middle of it. You know, you can even close your eyes and imagine that feeling you had. And then when the last song played, you were like, no, encore, give me more. I don't want to ever leave this place, this space. So when you travel, you can have that same experience and really learn from the folks that are around you. Um, And I wanted to use that as an opportunity to um, invite folks to look at especially, especially, um, where we're at with, you know, diversity and inclusion and in the, in the aspect of looking at, um, race and how, um, people who are white allies can move forward from becoming just an ally to being an actual champion, um, or accomplice. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I wanted to make sure that I provided something that allowed white allies and other people of color a chance to understand where we came from historically and how that's affecting us currently. So Um, what does that look like? Yeah. So for instance, the experience that I have coming up is going to be set in New Orleans. And one of the big things that we look at is classism, for example, and racism, of course, but classism. And how was it possible to have free slaves living in the same area as slaves, you know, and how was it possible to have house slaves, but then filled slaves? (laughs) Like there was this internal, I don't know if it's like hatredism or, um, this internal feeling of like, if we make them feel like they're better than the person below them, then we'll keep an order. And that happens throughout society. You had, you know, then you had free slaves, but then you had your poor, like Cajun whites. Um, and then from that, you had your middle class whites and then, you know, your upper class whites who were controlling the system. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, <laughs> so many questions. Where do I? Even yeah. Begin? Yeah. I guess, first of all, like, who, who are these experiences for? Like, who do you take to a former plantation where slave masters terrorized Mm-hmm. Black people, yes, and have that conversation with them, right? Yeah. Who are these people that sign up for this? Yes. So the person who's signing up for this is someone who wants to to grow and and understands that they'll be uncomfortable. First off, um, it's not this trip is not necessarily geared towards. It's just for person of color, or it's just for someone who's white. Um, what it's geared towards is someone who's ready to say, I need a better understanding of what's going on now to, to really be, um, to really be mindful of what I'm doing in life and how I can make a better impact on my community and the community of others. And so that's who this trip is geared towards. Is folks who want to make a difference within their communities, but you kind of need to have an understanding of what that means. Right. So who do you find is asking themselves these questions about what they need to learn more of? Yeah, a lot of the times what I'm finding is, is folks who are really within the realm of social justice 
who feel like they're social justice warriors. And I, it's funny, I get people who are like, oh, I, I'm, I'm an ally, you know, and, and we see this all the time mm-hmm. <laughs> with, um, in, in different topics too. You know, we have men who say, oh, I'm an ally to women, but they could never really truly understand the struggle of being a woman. Mm-hmm. Um, or you see folks say, I'm an ally of the um, LG. PQ. I am so dyslexic. L- LGBTQ. <laughs> Thank you. God bless you. <laughs> I'm so dyslexic. I mess it up every time. Um, but it, you don't, if you're not um, a person who experiences sexuality um, in that way, you ha- you don't necessarily have full understanding. So I get people who are like, I'm an ally of, um, you know, people of color um, or I, <laughs> the comment I get is I have black friends. Mm, Jesus. <laughs> Uh, that's People a whole other conversation. That? Too. <laughs> oh yeah, you don't understand. I've actually I went to a networking meeting and for some reason people feel the need to start talking to me about like white individuals, older white men who are, are I don't know if they're it's their own uncomfort uh, like uncomfort, but they'll just start talking about like yeah, I was around when the clan was around and it was awful and blah 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 and I'm like <laughs> What the hell are you You're like? I'm sorry that was hard for you. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, what? I'm like, where did the... <laughs> okay? <laughs> but, um, but yeah, so it's it's really geared towards people who are looking to expand their understanding. And, and the reason I said it's not just geared towards white individuals is because as a black person living in Colorado, I grew up not truly understanding my history um, as an African-American in the U.S. You know, I I knew there was slavery and I knew that there was oppression and I've experienced it myself, oppression um, and racism, but I just didn't have a clear understanding of what that meant. And so until I actually visited the Whitney Plantation that we'll be going to and saw it for myself, and saw the conditions that people were in and, you know, how the government tried to erase slaves and, you know, didn't take their names down. It took some folks who were doing his, like historic projects to come in and try to record names and whatnot. I, I had no idea. Mm-hmm. Like, you don't know what you don't know until you know it. Right. Um, hey, friends. This episode is brought to you by Trade and Travel, a game-changing online course created by our episode one guest, Terry Egioma, founder of Invest with Terry. Terry is on a mission to teach at least a thousand people how to make a thousand dollars per day. Imagine what you could do with an extra thousand dollars in a month, let alone making that much in a single day. That's why I'm excited that Terry has made her game-changing program, Trade and Travel, widely available. I'm going to take the course and you can take it too. All you have to do is use the link in the show notes to get access to the course now. Let's learn how to make $1,000 in a day together. I mean, who couldn't use an extra $1,000? I know I can. I mean, who am I? Mike Bloomberg? Of course I could use an extra $1,000. People who have taken the course are actually able to quit their jobs so they can travel the world with all the money they've made learning how to master the stock market. And I'm not ashamed to say that I want that life. You guys, let's trade and travel together. 
Just click on the link in the show notes and get started now. Use link bit.ly forward slash she did invest to learn how to get started with trade and travel. And so, so you're going to get a kick out of this. So one of my close friends, she's white and she's of, of privilege in every way you can imagine. Um, she was on the plantation tour with me and she, and, and my sister was there and she goes, Oh my God, Sydney. I just, I didn't even, that means that most black people came from slavery. I would have walked away. There's, yes. There's no way I could have not like grabbed her by the baby hairs. <laughs> oh, my sister, you should have seen my sister cut a look and just walked away. I, I'm my a little more patient. might have immediately exploded. Exploded. Yes. So, um, so in, and you know what I mean? And so it's people like that who, you know, who think that they are so quote unquote with it or whatnot, but they're not at all. That's who this trip is geared towards is folks who are just looking for a deeper understanding. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. What? So a few things stand out to me. <laughs> <laughs> you still thinking about the last one? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> What stands out to me is, is so last season in season four, mm-hmm. we had uh, the founders of Race to Dinner on the show. And it's it's still one of the most popular episodes we've ever done. Mm-hmm. And it's definitely the most controversial. And it's um, these two women of color who are having really, I think, challenging conversations mm-hmm. about race and privilege with white women. And they have, and like you, they've like figured out a business model around this, which I think is fascinating and innovative. But anyways, they're doing that. And I'm always struck with, with like the level of racism 101 Mm -hmm. that you have to go through. Yeah. It's 2020. Yes. At what point do you think... There's probably not an answer to this question, but I'm going to ask it anyway. (laughs) Okay, ask me. I will try. At what point do you think, quote unquote, allies, you know, or people who are like, I need to learn more about this, whether they consider themselves an ally or not, need to take responsibility for themselves and just like open a book or go to Google? Oh, yeah. Like, (laughs) at what point does that happen? (laughs) Yeah. Oh, I think it, it needs to happen on a daily basis because- Here's the thing. Um, it's not until I get paid for it, which is how these business models, like you said, it's fascinating that these business models are coming up until these business models come up. I'm. It, it's not my job to relive a traumatic experience mm-hmm. just so that you can understand. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's the hard part too. It's like, okay, so you, you don't, don't ask someone just off the street or even a friend, like what their experience is like necessarily. Do the work yourself, find something like the race to dinner or like my program and actually invest in it and go Mm -hmm. and learn from someone you're paying to do the emotional labor. It's traumatic to think about the things that I have experienced in life and to have to talk about them, Mm -hmm. to have to talk about even things like police brutality. I mean, I witnessed my grandmother and my mom being beaten by the police while my mother was pregnant. Mm -hmm. I didn't get to go to therapy for that. Mm-hmm. There was no 
pills for me to, t- you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So uh, what I was told as a black person is, okay, this happened to you. Oh, well, you didn't die. Mm-hmm. Move on. Mm-hmm. And to relive that, that's really hard. Even just talking about it now on the podcast, it's really hard. Mm-hmm. Um, so be willing to pay for it. Yeah. <laughs> and, I mean, and do the work yourself, you know? Yeah, yeah, definitely. That's why I find these, these business models so fascinating. And I do think that they're very disruptive because I do think that in the past, it's just been viewed as sort of your responsibility as a black woman or a brown woman or, you yes. know, an indigenous woman or a queer person, or, you know, whatever the case may be to, to just do whatever you need to do to educate the people around you about what you've experienced or what it's like for you to exist in this world. And I, I'm just so over it. Yes. (laughs) Me too. (laughs) Me too. And which is probably a, a why I reacted the way I reacted on the panel when this question was asked, because my immediate thought is you have all of the resources you need readily available to you to learn anything that you need to learn and you need to stop asking me. Well, and on top of that, I can imagine where that that came from too in the way you reacted possibly was because I had provided a reading list mm-hmm. at the beginning yep. of the event. Which I was, no, a, I, I was aware that you had done. Yes. And I was like, literally, we just covered this. Yes. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. We, I literally started the event off by saying, here are some books for you to read to help you start getting a better understanding. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just very frustrating to me. Yes. Um, have you found, uh, are, are there other travel agents or agencies doing this kind of transformative travel work? You know, <laughs> there probably are. I haven't been able to find one in that's doing this type of work in the same way. Um, you've heard of programs like, and this is probably for, if you have an older audience, like road scholars, which is a very more Caucasian type of travel education experience where Mm -hmm. they are combining travel and, you know, experiential learning together. But the top, but the topics that they're talking about are completely and totally Mm -hmm. different than what this experience is. Yeah, and I think there's, well, there's, um, whatchamacallit, so there's study abroad programs, which are not well, necessarily yeah. about, not necessarily about learning. I mean, I, I did study abroad, a, a short, like a shortened study abroad program, mm-hmm. and I was sort of shocked about the lack of rigor <laughs> in that program. Yeah. I mean, I learned a lot, but that was because I I, <laughs> I took that learning as my own responsibility mm-hmm. and then got what I, I came to get from it. But there were a lot of people that just partied the whole time. Yeah. Um, so there's that and there's, um, what's it called? The one by the U.S. government where they take volunteers. I'm completely break. I even did an episode with somebody on this. Um, um, are you talking about... Um- now that you said the U.S. government, um, I almost said Doctors Without Borders. <laughs> no, not Doctors but no. Without Borders. Um, oh no. Um, I can even see their, their logo. Why is it blanking on me? Thanks. Now that you blanked, now I'm blanking. It'll come to me in a minute. Okay. <laughs> um, I'm just blanking on it right now. Um, but so these, so there, I guess there are some more formalized programs that aren't necessarily mm-hmm. about addressing 
race or inequity? Is that what you're trying to do specifically address those things? Yeah, I definitely am. Um, and those programs have their place too. Don't get me wrong. Like staying somewhere and learning about the community for a longer period of time, mm-hmm. you know, for whether it's a couple of months to two years, the program you're thinking about, I think they do two years. Uh, it just came to me to the Peace what Corps. Peace Corps. <laughs> yes. Two, yes. And you're in Peace Corps, I think each since like two years. Something like that. Yeah. Um, yeah. So like they have their place mm-hmm. um, because you do get to immerse yourself into a culture. Um, the problem is, is that it's not as accessible um, to individuals who are just, you know, working their, their daily life and need or want to have an experience like this. Um, but you know, going to Peace Corps for two years isn't realistic for them. Mm-hmm. Um, or they're not in college or they didn't go to college. And so study abroad's not an option for them. So this is a great alternative because it's a, you know, five day to seven day immersion experience mm-hmm. where you're really digging into some deep conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, but then also um, the facilitator I'm working with, her and I, her name's Elise Sandita. Um, and she's a Filipino American and her and I are working together on this and we're going to be doing some pre-discussion online to start getting people to start thinking about topics too Mm -hmm. and some post follow-up. So it's not like you just get there and you're like, Oh shit, what do I do? It's more or less like, okay, this is what the conversation is going to be like. This is how we're going to build up to gain base knowledge. So we're all together on the same playing field. Um, and then we're going to have our conversations and this is what you can do next. So you're not just left. Like I know this now, what, Mm -hmm. what can I do? Um, so yeah. So what's end game here? End game is to really just help folks to gain true awareness to what their actions are, you know, to really start to be mindful of what it's like in, in, it's hard because you can't, it's the, if you're not African-American and you're going on a trip like this, you'll never understand what it's like to be Mm African-American, right? And when I start doing other trips, focusing on other cultures, you won't actually know what it's like to be that culture. That's not your lived experience, but you can gain empathy Mm -hmm. and understand and be more open-minded to how to work together to build community and build trust. Mm -hmm. And that's the end game is to help give people the tools to do that. So that's where you hope things will end up, right? That's where I hope things will end up. Yes. Do you think they will end up there? Do you think they will end up in a different place because they can be, there are different things, right? Hoping and and what you think actually will happen. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Um, You know, I feel like it, it, it only takes, a couple of people to start a ripple effect mm-hmm. and to start some change and to enact change. And so I know that we're dealing with a system, right? We're dealing with systemic racism and discrimination. And it takes, it takes a movement to make a change in those areas. Um, but you can't start a movement if you don't start somewhere. Mm-hmm. And so for me to say, will it actually make a difference? I believe it will. I'm coming from the standpoint where, yes, I think it will make a difference. Um, 
I, I wish I had a crystal ball to tell you if it would. Yeah, of course. <laughs> <laughs> of course. Um, <clears throat> it's just also fascinating to me again. I, I find it, I find what you're doing, like there's all kinds of ways to be disruptive, right? Yeah. Um, it isn't just, I think part of the exploration of, of what it means to be a disruptive woman is, is maybe taking that phrase back from the tech industry and being yeah. like, it isn't all about apps, you guys. Like, come on, there's there's <laughs> different ways to be different things. Like, let's just yes. talk about that. I do find what you're doing to be very disruptive because I think if we just look at the travel industry. Yes. Okay. <laughs> I already know where you're going. Right? I like this. Like, where, who is it dominated by? Yes. Who does it cater to? Yes. And with all of the travel bloggers out there and travel companies, there aren't a lot of them that like specifically take on race, which is always very fascinating to me. Um, like race and class issues, especially if you are traveling um, as a Westerner abroad mm-hmm. in the world where how can you pretend that that isn't a thing? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like, um, so that's that's fascinating to me. What was it for you specifically about travel that was like, we need to change all of this stuff right now? Oh, my gosh. Um, you know, I think it came from, honestly, me first being a employee um, within the travel industry and actually experiencing what it's like to be treated um, differently than my other peer coworkers mm-hmm. um, who weren't of color and really starting to think about what that's like across the world um, for others who are in the travel industry as well. You know, people will go to a resort that's all inclusive. And of course we hear about the environmental stuff and how that might not be great for the environment. But when you look at like, how are the people who work in that industry actually being treated? Mm -hmm. Are they actually making a fair wage? Like what is a fair wage? Mm -hmm. Have you even cared to ask yourself what that is? Or are you just happy that they're serving you and treating, you know, being servant, a servant to you for your experience? Um, that in itself is a whole level of classism, mm-hmm. right? Like the all all inclusive resort experience to me, um, and so that's where my my thoughts started is from my experience as an employee, and then it kind of started to shift as I started to make money and be able to travel myself. Well, what am I doing to impact? folks while I'm actually visiting a location. Mm -hmm. Like, what does that look like? How do I feel? You know, I'm like, I can't be the only one who has to. It's so funny. Um, My mentor, um, he was saying, it's amazing that people of color are really good at analyzing things super quick. Well, that's a survival Uh, skill. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. No. Right. Like the way a gazelle walks into a field and it can very quickly sense there is danger here. (laughs) <laughs> yes. So I have to do the same thing, um, you know, and I'm sure other folks are listening and they're like, yeah, but I had never realized it until he said that. I was like, you're right. Like I visited Nashville um, and I had a great time, but there was, you know, the Confederate flag is still big there. And there was a bar. It was me and a bunch of group of people. And there were like three of us who were of color and all of us of color just stopped. 
at the door. Like we all just stopped. Like we didn't say anything into each other. And everybody else was like, why don't you come in? Like, come on. And all of us looked at each other and we're like, we're not going in there. Like, this is not for us. We're not welcomed here. And so it's really interesting um, how we have to, to run through these analyzations while we're traveling, while we're thinking about travel and ask questions in order to feel comfortable in a space. Mm-hmm. Um, and I want to, I, where I would love to see the travel industry move towards is where there's an understanding that yes, the U.S. does have people of color that we're not dangerous. They're seeing the same media that we're seeing, mm-hmm. right? That you know we're not dangerous, and that we we want to learn from them and experience their culture too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, what's you bring that up like? Other people across the globe think that Americans, you know, Americans are dangerous. And what's one thing that is always fascinating to me is that of like how our state department issues travel warnings, right? Mm-hmm. Other countries issue travel warnings for the United States that are like, you probably yes. shouldn't go there if you're black. Yes. Oh yeah. Most like, that's definitely. a real travel warning. It is. It is, especially with, in regards to police brutality, mm-hmm. it definitely is. That is a travel, that is a, glo- a global travel warning that some of the countries have actually listed for the United States of America. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're so, we're very egocentric here where we always have that outward thought of, well, it's about me in the U S and, you know, I have the right to go anywhere I want and kind of this, this, you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. And, and, and that's not the case. Like you have to, what, what I'm trying to do is explain to people and teach people that you have to really take off that egocentric idea, um, ideas and really be respectful of the culture that you're visiting. Um, you know, and it's hard too. sometimes you don't know like where you're being invasive sometimes and where you're actually helping but that's the whole point going back to doing your research and you taking on the onus to really look up, like, what are the cultural customs? If I go to a Muslim country and, you know, women are covering themselves, I need to cover myself as right. a woman. Like, just because I'm from the U.S. and that's not what I do here, I'm not, I would never dare go somewhere else and that's their customs and not do it. Oh, 100%. It's about respect. You know, yes. my stepfather is Saudi. I grew up going back and forth between the Middle East. Okay. I'm very comfortable in the culture, right? Even though I'm not Saudi, but um, American women always ask me, like, aren't you uncomfortable? Like, how could you cover your hair? I'm like, well, first of all, it's you don't like even know the basics because in Saudi Arabia, mm-hmm. it's not a requirement for you to cover your hair. That's a personal choice mm-hmm. as it is amongst most Muslims that if mm-hmm. you see a woman covering, that's her personal choice about her faith. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes there, a woman might be wearing a hijab and covering her hair. That's her personal choice. right? Um, yes. It doesn't matter where in the world she is. That's her personal choice. So you don't even have a basic understanding Mm-hmm. Um, second of all, I'm a guest in someone else's country yes. and I may not ascribe to a specific religion or an ideology, but I respect them enough to mm-hmm. behave accordingly. 
And that's all it's about. It's like, you don't go to your neighbor's house and put your feet on the dining room table, do you? No, it's disrespectful. (laughs) Yes. Yes. And, you know, last night I did um, an event with Women in Sustainability and we had a conversation around this topic. And another point someone brought up is that they went to Thailand and, you know, they were respectful and covered themselves when they were going to visit the temple. And there were even signs up that said, like, Mm -hmm. you know, this is, you know, a holy area, like, please be respectful. And she's like, we hiked up and went to the waterfall. And there were women in bikini thongs taking, doing photo shoots, Mm -hmm. like, totally and completely disrespectful. Um, And so, yeah. I mean, just be aware of what you, what you're doing and how you're impacting someone. You wouldn't want someone, like you said, to come to your house and be disrespectful and kind of spit in your face the way I look at Mm -hmm. it. Um, You know, when, after you welcome them or heck, they didn't even invite you. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Or you didn't, yeah, I'm like, they didn't even, you didn't even invite them to come into your house. They just walked in Mm -hmm. and said, I'm here. Yeah. And put their <laughs> put their naked behind on your table yeah. where you feed your yeah. children. <laughs> yeah, literally. What literally. are what are your thoughts on um, what's it called? Is it called service travel now? Like people that go volunteerism. Yeah, volunteerism. Oh, great topic. Yeah, um, man. So I led a trip um, when I was at Colorado State. Um, I led a trip to Panama in Central America and it looked at ecotourism and volunteerism. And we were in Cologne um, and in this area called Atiote. And <sighs> most of the people I led were very of privilege. I love using that word privilege because to me, it's so real. I'm like, you know, they never had to think about these things. And we did a service trip and we were asked, um, you know, we asked the community, what do you need? And in response, we were told back what was needed. And then I had participants saying, well, this is stupid. I don't want to do that. Why don't we do this project? Why don't we do that project? And so the way I look at volunteerism is, is that it is not for you to say what happens in that community. If you want to volunteer somewhere, First, you should be welcomed and invited. Mm-hmm. Second, you should see what their need is. And third, you should do whatever they say their need is, mm-hmm. point blank, period. And really be understanding of the fact that, like, sometimes when you do these projects, you're actually slowing down the community than actually, like, helping them. I've heard of projects where, um, you know, folks will go in and help build a house or build something and they've done it all completely wrong. And at night, the townspeople will come back at night and redo everything. Oh my God. (laughs) That happens more often than you think. So really looking at the fact too, am I actually helping or is this just a facade Mm -hmm. to make me feel good? Mm -hmm. It's fascinating. I mean, I think, I do think that the travel space is is ripe for disruption because yeah it's it's something that people don't put a lot of thought into number 1 i think it's just no. like i'm going to go on this trip and i'm going to have a good time and a lot of people aren't thinking about 
this it's not a zoo right for you to oh. go and observe oh yeah it's you're I, you're entering a, a living breathing space <laughs> so so that's actually called zooification there's oh, a word, there's for, a word it. for it okay there's a word for it yeah um and I'm happy you said that because I before I even was aware of what it was like to be in the travel space and to be conscious about what I was doing and to be sustainable. Um, there were some trips that I looked back on and I was like, Oh my God, I can't believe I did that. Mm-hmm. So one of my trips we had went to new Orleans after hurricane Katrina. Um, if you can't tell, I love new Orleans. <laughs> <laughs> I do too. It's one of my favorite cities. Oh, good. Okay. Um, so we went after hurricane Katrina and we did a project, um, where we helped do some cleanup, which was actually needed and was actually welcome. But then this is the part that I regret. We did a disaster tour and it was pretty much just like folks gawking at the destruction. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's like we're humans and I don't get it. It's like when we see a car crash and we just have to look at it. Yeah. You know, we're like, oh, this is horrible, but I want to see it. Um, and I felt horrible because I found out after the fact that we had paid probably $50, $60 a person that none of that money was going back to the community. It was all just going right back to the tour operator who wasn't even in New Orleans. Mm. So really, it was us zooifying the disaster and the people who experienced the disaster you know folks were out there like all their belongings were gone Mm -hmm. you know they were distraught and we were like literally in a tour of us just going through not helping at all (laughs) just looking at them yeah and that still to this day has been probably the most regretful experience I've had traveling when you know better you do better though yeah right (laughs) right and you know and I use that experience as you know saying to folks that it's never too late to start making a change. It really isn't mm-hmm. like to become aware of what you've done and to tell people like, Hey, I've done that before. I really don't suggest you doing it. I found out afterwards. This is why. Um, because yeah, I, I felt horrible. And, and I try to tell people the same way with um, wildlife tourism as well. You know, being mindful of what you're doing. I love wildlife tourism just as the next person mm-hmm. does. Um, but you have to be very selective and careful with what you're doing. Um, I see a lot of folks who want to go to like Thailand. Yeah. I learned a um, lot about like that. Elephant, yeah. Thailand. Elephant rides and stuff like that. Yeah. And it's like, or do the photos with tigers or photos with monkeys. Um, and those animals usually are not treated well. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, we could go into so many topics. Um, but those animals aren't treated very well. And so maybe finding a conservation effort that's in the area mm-hmm. or a preserve and going to something like a reserve, not preserve, reserve, and going to something like that. Um, or even um, I've been learning recently, there's an entrepreneur um, that I have networked with a little bit, and she talks a lot about uh, sex trafficking mm-hmm. and how the tourism industry actually helps to really feel it. Um, because, you know, people will see kids begging or whatnot for money. And sometimes if those kids should be in school or, or whatever, they could actually be too young to be, you know, actually used for sex work. Mm-hmm. And they're just making them work on the street to collect coins or whatnot that way. Really? Yeah. So there's so many things to think about 
Um, and that's really what I do in my business when I work with people is I start having these conversations with them um, and just letting them know, like, be aware when you visit this place, this might be what's going on and be conscious about it. Yeah, I, th- it's a lot to think about. And I yeah. think it's one of the reasons why people choose not to, because mm-hmm. they're like, I just want to have some margaritas on the beach. Yeah. <laughs> like, And on, yeah. on one hand, I get that. Um, but on the other hand, everything we do has a ripple effect somewhere. Yes, right. it does. It does. And I, you, who says you can't still have margaritas on a beach and have a fantastic time? Mm-hmm. It's just like those margaritas on the beach could be having a positive impact instead of you just doing it and not caring about anyone else. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So we're exploring this, this concept of being a disruptive woman, right? Mm -hmm. What does it mean to you to disrupt or be disruptive? Yeah. I feel like it's my whole life. (laughs) (laughs) No, I mean, to me, being disruptive from my personal experience has been walking into a room when there's no one who looks like me. Mm-hmm. That that really has been what my disruption has been, is being willing to to be uncomfortable in my, you know, be uncomfortable myself, where like I'm the only woman sometimes, I'm the only person of color most of the time in these spaces and saying, no, I will be a voice and I will be a a trailblazer for others to come behind me and make a difference. And that's what disruption is, is, you know, messing up the status quo, Mm -hmm. doing things different than the norm and making a change. So with, with your transformative travel events, what do you Mm -hmm. hope specifically you disrupt and change? Man, <laughs> my 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 big goal is to disrupt the system, mm-hmm. right? And actually change the way the game's played. Because it is very much a game mm-hmm. um, that, you know, you have to be... I, that's a whole other topic too. But, um, you know, I always have felt, because I'm kind of proper in the way I speak, mm-hmm. I'm not Black enough for some people. And because I'm Black, uh, to you know, for white people, I'm not good enough. And then I also grew up around a lot of um, Hispanic and Latin culture. And so I can really identify with that as well, but I'm not Hispanic or Latin. So, so it it really comes down to, um, you know, being willing to, to break down those barriers and tell people that are hopefully get people to the point where they realize like, we're all people, like we're all human beings. We all have a soul, like we're all breathing and living and we're all in this world together and we're much better when we're a community than when we're separate and apart. Mm -hmm. So I think being disruptive is hard, even when you're not intentionally setting out to be disruptive person, Mm -hmm. right? I get called disruptive a lot and sometimes I'm like... No. Can you just not? 
can you just let me be where I, like, can you just leave me alone right now? Like, I'm not, I'm not trying to disrupt anything. I'm literally just existing in this space. Yes. <laughs> so, so I think it can be really hard and taxing at times. How do you keep going? That's a great question. Um, whew, it is definitely hard. <laughs> Um, something that I've started to do, um, as I'm learning more about mindfulness is to journal and to practice meditation. Some people do prayer, but to really take some space and time to breathe, um, and relax. And I have actually, my schedule's crazy, but I have actually scheduled in friend time, Mm -hmm. like into my calendar. Because I get so busy and so wrapped up in the work that I'm doing, I forget to have a social life, you know, um, or to make sure I have a date night with my partner. Like, we need to go out once a week. You know, we'll figure it out. We'll get there no matter what. We're going to get together. Mm -hmm. So um, I think that's been really important to my life and staying staying sane (laughs) is making sure that I intentionally set time um, for those activities. Um, so yeah, that, that's the way I've been doing it. Um, do you have any, any other ideas? <laughs> <laughs> do you have a magic, a magic bullet or anything um, like that? No, I don't. I'm figuring it out. <laughs> I always am asking myself, like, why does everything I do and want to do have to be so hard? <laughs> yes. Why can't I have easy oh. <laughs> Let me tell you, I literally told someone, I feel like sometimes I'm in a uh, I'm rowing upstream. Yes. Like, <laughs> like I'm working and I, I'm moving a couple of inches, but I'm not. <laughs> yeah. No, so I feel like that a lot. And the, the thing I do is I sweat it out. I go to the gym and yeah. I, I lift weights. Oh, that's and that's how I deal with that. I, I go to the bar, the weight bar, you know, and. Oh, oh, I was like, girl, I no, don't know if that's healthy. No, I don't go to the, I don't go to the, like I don't go to the, the <laughs> bar bar. I go to like the bar the bar. Oh, I love bar. <laughs> yes. I used um, to do, I used to do bar and pole. Um, mm-hmm. For me, it's about movement. And so I have to sweat it out. And, and for me, going to the gym or getting a really great workout in, whether that's a hike or if I go for a run in the park, whatever the thing is, for me, that's like going to church for some people. Mm. So I do that. And um, as a result, I don't punch people in the face and everybody <laughs> is happy. <laughs> so. I know sometimes people too, in this, when you're, you're a disruptor, you just look at people and you want to shake them. Yeah. Like, what is wrong with you? <laughs> I find myself having that feeling a lot. And, yeah. you know, I don't know where it comes from. I didn't like wake up and decide that I was going to say or do something or be in a space that was somehow disruptive. It just yes. happens. Yes. And I don't, I swear to everybody listening, I don't actually control it. It's like not my purpose in life yes. to run around and like, quote unquote, be disruptive. It just happens. Well, to my point too, is that, you know, like I was saying earlier, you're perfect, whole and complete as you are. I feel like we each are out there. And so many times to fit in, we, we suppress what our values are Mm -hmm. and what we believe in. And so when you truly believe in something, you're willing to disrupt Mm -hmm. and not fit in. Um, so yeah, I know I didn't try it either, but my, (laughs) 
but my value, you know, what I value and what I believe in and what I care about is way more important. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. It's tough, but there are a lot of moments where I think like, why can't I just get a regular job? (laughs) Just (laughs) go to work at night and leave at five. Why can't I I do that? (laughs) I I know. I had that. I had that. (laughs) <laughs> it's not for everyone <laughs> different strokes for different folks they're folks yes <laughs> yes strokes, ma'am. for sure for sure all right we are going to cut it here thank you so much for joining mm-hmm. us today sydney and really explaining transformation transformative excuse me travel experiences i'm excited yeah. for what you're doing thank you so much for having me this was awesome i really appreciate you and the work you're doing thank too. you what is the quickest or easiest way for our audience to learn more so the easiest way um, is to go to my website, which is Sydney Star with two R's. It's my middle name. My mom <laughs> thought it was special. Um, SydneyStarTravel.com. Um, um, you can also look me up on Instagram or Facebook. It's also Sydney Star Travel. Um, and that's my handle on both websites. Great. So we will link to all of the places in the show notes for you folks. We will also have a link in there about the transformative travel experiences because Sydney, you have one coming up in April, correct? Or is, oh no. No, 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 no. I have, oh, I have entrepreneurs. So the event that you spoke on, uh-huh. Entrepreneurs of Color, that's a monthly series that I'm doing. Got it. Okay. In person in Denver. It's at the Blairwell African American Cultural Center. If you didn't know, there is one. Yes, there is here, one. And it's amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm doing it there on um, March 25th. Um, and we're going to have a panel and we're actually going to talk about mindful mindfulness and mental health mm. within entrepreneur the you know entrepreneurs of color and how we can just be aware so your last question fits in fit in perfect great great and then, so if you're in, then, in yeah. the denver metro area you can join sydney on march 25th um that information is available on your website as well right yes uh-huh. okay. when is your next transformative travel experience coming up that is going to be october so we're going to be headed to New Orleans October 8th through the 12th, mm-hmm. um, 2020. It's a and good time to be in New Orleans. It's not yes. like crazy sticky yes. that time of year. It's beautiful. So. Yes. It is. And actually, there's going to be the Latino uh, Mardi Gras is happening during that time frame. Oh, that's so. in October? Yeah. That sounds yeah. like fun. Yeah. So... <laughs> So it's going to be a really good time. We're going to have some tough conversations, but we're also going to have a lot of fun. And cap it with some Mardi Gras celebrations. That sounds yes. nice. All right. Sounds good. You know what to do, folks. Head over to the show notes to connect with Sydney and learn more. And, you know, consider taking part in October in the transformative travel experience. You probably at least know one person that should go. So thank you as usual for being a supporter and friend of this show, for being one of our, as I like to call you, inspiration junkies for showing up week after week and hearing from these incredible, brilliant women and the work they're doing in the world. Do not forget to check out the show notes because there's other great stuff in there. You can support this show with our new affiliate partner, which is consequently trade and travel, a trade and travel program that teaches people how to make a thousand dollars per day so that you can, you guessed it, travel more. (laughs) So check that out. And that's it folks. Until next time we out.